Mark 4, 35 through 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stem, the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with a great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The word of the Lord. So someone just told me they thought we had a plot to be in this building so that people who came in late actually have to come up front. So that'll teach us to be here earlier on time. Um, if there is, um, for certain services, we understand that uh, it is going to be crowded. And so uh, there is, as you first walk in the room, we are trying to set up what they call Cafe 2. As you first walk in the doors, the double doors, if you would turn to the right, the building, sorry, turn to the right, there's a large area that has about eight tables and 60 chairs, something like that, with a TV in there that we're planning to stream the service in. So we're playing with various things. We'd prefer not to try to go to two services immediately for a variety of reasons if we will if we have to but just to let you know that if you're either claustrophobic or it's difficult for some reason in here try that overflow room so that's good uh, last Sunday as we closed out five years at the QBE building it was quite um, moving for me to hear I don't know if it was for you but to hear all the prayers that went up from a variety of people that were thanking the Lord for what had been done as we marked time there in that building, and then to see so many of you sweating in the spirit, thank you again for moving over here. We got it done in about two hours, and and uh, it was due to just a lot of work and labor. And my my wife has worked tirelessly this week, and uh, others who have put in just a, a huge amount. And I'm just so thankful and grateful um, for that. It really is awesome. I'm glad we're not about a building. Um, but also just please remember that, that with our lands, this, we are moving forward. We have hired civil engineers. We have six acres of land, if you don't know, on Route 15, uh, kind of five miles back toward Haymarket. And we are in the, the process of beginning to get a special use permit and, and to build our own building. So I would just continue to ask you to pray for that. We will be gathering together one of the Sundays in October on the land prior to worshiping here. We'll invite anyone who wants to come about 9 o'clock. We'd love to pray over the land. Some of you haven't actually set foot on it yet. We're going to have somebody helping us get across the street safely. We're going to hire a police officer and, and kind of be able for anyone who can come. Let's stand on the land dedicated to the Lord. Pray for it and over it. Um, and so that that is coming. You'll hear lots more about that in about a month um, as we just begin that process. And then at the end of October, we will ask you to turn in these cards again, Building Hope, ask you to pray about what you would give. If you don't know, whoops, I'll throw that card. The Mosers, you need a card. So um, the cards are right outside the door here, and they're, I, I hope they're self-explanatory, but we'll explain them again anyway in about a month. So. 
Um, if the scripture this morning is not from Ecclesiastes, we are in the middle of a study on the book of Ecclesiastes, but I was reading in uh, the Gospels this week and really felt compelled to just speak on this topic. Very simple, I think fairly straightforward, but we will pick up next week with Ecclesiastes chapter 5. But uh, if you've got your Bibles, would you open with me to this story of Jesus uh, in the boat there in Mark chapter 4. Jesus had been ministering now for some period of time. We don't, it doesn't say exactly how long, but this was at the pinnacle of the crowds coming, of Jesus ministering through the power of healing, through the power of delivering people from demonic possession, and from the uh, the teaching that was so enthralling the crowd that he was being just crowd, you know, people were flocking to hear him, and it was uh, to the point where he could barely breathe and minister anymore because he was the the biggest thing happening in that part of the world at the time, and so. Leading up to this, Mark gives us a, a kind of litany of quick things that had been happening, some of these teachings and then miracles, and it, the same story is recounted in the book of Matthew, and the same thing. We have all these miraculous things happening, and then it picks up with, uh, uh, in Matthew it says that people were trying to touch him and get close to him, and he said, let's, let's get into this boat, and the Sea of Galilee that's around there is a large sea, and you can, we've been there, and, and when we you can sail across it fairly quickly, but to walk around it takes quite a while. So it would basically give them a little respite from the crowds. And in verse 35 of Mark 4, it says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. In verse 36, I, I, this struck me this week as I was reading it. I don't know that I'd ever really read this um, this verse in this way before. It says... And leaving the crowd behind, they, the disciples, took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Does that strike you as an odd phrase? How else do you take someone, right? As they, as they aren't? They took him just as he was. And so I was looking up, because I didn't really understand, and I was so I read some commentary on that, and, and people said that it's, it was a, a phrase and a use when um, you have to basically, the, the thought is that he was so exhausted, so worn out by all the ministry that they basically had to sort of take him. He wanted to go in the boat, but they basically had to haul him into the boat. He was just flat out wiped out. In his humanity, remember Jesus, perfectly man, fully God, just as he was, they took him in the boat, and other boats were with him. So it wasn't simply one boat. These boats weren't that large and whatever his close ring of disciples. So here he is so exhausted from ministry and he jumps in the boat. And then in verse 37, a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. If you've been at Living Hope for any length of time, you know that I, I don't sail because doesn't make any sense to go out where you might get hurt, like drown, 
But I can just tell you that for all that, even you sailors, people who really enjoy sailing, and I, I know some of you do, do you really sleep through storms? Seriously, I mean, if you like sailing, is it like, I, I yeah, oh, totally, I just, you know, boat's about to tip over. It says the boat is swamped with water, and Jesus, in the stern, asleep on a cushion. The cushion is actually like a sack for ballast. He's asleep on a sack in the back of the boat as the boat is filling up with water. The guy was tired. He was really tired. He was also really trusting. So here's the first point of this, is that Jesus in this story isn't simply the one who is going to, as we know, calm the waves. He's the one who's trusting in His Father while the boat is sinking. Right? It's swamping. You know what? I'd be, I'd be like bailing or probably jumping out of the boat and swimming back for sure. But, I, but I, I, I'd, I'd be panicked, I'd, but I'd be awake. Jesus is both exhausted and trusting. I just say some of us in this room are exhausted for a variety of reasons. Some of us have worked really, really hard. Some of us are just tired of a lot of other things that are going on. The Lord understands that. The Lord also desires that like Jesus, we would be able to trust in our Heavenly Father to the point that we don't panic, we don't bail, either out of the boat or spend our time worrying about stuff that we can't really control. I can't stop the storm necessarily. Did you ever think that Jesus boats shouldn't come under the storm waves? Like, if I'm in the Jesus boat, right? The USS Jesus. It shouldn't sink. It shouldn't take on water, should it, right? Because the Jesus boat is a perfect boat, right? It it should be like the little ray of sunshine over top, and everybody else should have... doesn't work that way, right? Jesus is in the boat. The storm isn't going around Him. It's still there. But what He's going to show us is He's the Lord of the storm. He's not the Lord who prevents storms. He's the Lord of the storm. He's the Lord in the storm. And once again, I just tell you, I, I don't know the storms in your life. I know what they are in my life. I know the things I'm dealing with and going through. I know my own heart issues. I know my own circumstantial issues. The question is this, is Jesus in the boat? And if He's in the boat, is He Lord in the boat? Are you in the boat with Him? Are you trusting that He's there? Because... Here, here we have these disciples who are trusting. No. They've got Jesus in the boat and they don't trust Him, do they? They wake Him up and what do they say? Uh, Lord, do you care we're perishing? Literally, it's, you do care we're perishing, don't you? Right? It's supposed to be, yes, I care that you're perishing. They were never going to perish. That was not God's plan and will. And if they were intended to perish, nothing was going to stop it. 
but they were never going to perish. Turn with me. This is, this is so interesting. Turn to the book of Acts. Go right about two, two or three books. And in the book of Acts, chapter 27, for those of you who do like to sail, all of 27 is basically a sailing lesson from Paul as he is going through um, trying to get back to speak to Caesar and present his case before Caesar. And they run into a storm as well. And so in Acts chapter 27, verse 24, Paul says, um, or the uh, Paul relates that he was told, do not be afraid, Paul, in the midst of a storm, again, where they're taking on water. He says, you must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. There were 274 people in Paul's boating party there. Big, big boat. So take heart, men. I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have told you. But we must run aground on some island. In other words, there's going to be a shipwreck, but you'll all be fine because God is sovereign. He is in control. Jesus didn't have to be reminded of that. He knew his father so well that he wasn't panicked. He was sleeping. I don't understand it. I, I wish I did understand it. But I know the one who understands it. So let me just very simply say this. Again, not knowing the circumstances of your life or world, some of them are are going to be far more treacherous earthly-wise than mine. Jesus isn't panicked about your situation. He's not panicked about what you're going through. He has you as you all share the boat. Remember, the crowds are on the shore. And if Jesus is peripheral to your life, you're really on the shore. You're looking out there and saying, oh yeah, I think, I think Jesus is out on the boat somewhere. I'm glad I'm not on that boat. It's really stormy. It is so much safer to be in the middle of the storm in the boat with Jesus than on the shore without Him. And that's a thing we don't understand because we live in a world that says so much safer to be in the shore because, you know, boats rock, right? Boats tip over. Boats take on water. Boats sink. If I'm on the land, I'm fine. No, you're not. Land disappears. Hebel, remember Ecclesiastes? This life, it's a breath. It's a wisp. If Jesus, if you are not on the boat with Jesus, if you are not in that boat with Him, it isn't going to matter. And so, here we have Jesus now looking at his disciples who have woken him and said, you, you do care that we're perishing, which they weren't. They were sinking, but they weren't going to perish. And he awakes, and he doesn't rebuke them, interestingly enough. I think Jesus in some ways, very forthright, but, but gentle, but he does rebuke the wind. And he says to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> Would that not be cool to see Jesus just speak to the elements and have them just, you know, the storm? There was a 
Kent and I walked out yesterday late afternoon, and we were walking out those double doors there, and there was a lightning storm here. It was about 5 or 5.30. I don't know if y'all were where y'all were, but there was a very dark storm here. And we, As we opened the door, you know, that lightning and the sound at the same time, we both were like, ah, you know, and I just thought, you know, okay, well, do we go out? Do we not go out? Like what? And, and if Jesus were there, it would just be so amazing to have him speak over. I don't know that he would, but just say, be gone and to have the blue sky and just, he's the Lord of all creation of water, earth, and sky, as we sang this morning. That's who he is. And they didn't know that. They were learning that. They'd seen him as the God of miracles, who'd work miracles. They saw him as the God who delivered people from demonic possession. They knew him as the God who taught and moved crowds and could could release the power of Scripture. They saw him as those things. But there was parts of who he was that they did not know. And so as he speaks and the wind ceases and there was a great calm, and he says to them, and, and I hear it, I hear it as a gentle rebuke. I don't hear it as a, an angry rebuke when he says, why, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? Faith in him, faith in God. Did you not believe that I make a difference? And so just gently, just let me just say to you, do you believe that God's going to make a difference in your situation? I don't know what you're facing health-wise, relationally, financially. I don't know what the issues are. Let me just gently say, do you believe that He's with you in the storm? Have faith. Don't be afraid. The Lord loves you and He wants to not necessarily take the storm away. In this case, He did. In Paul's case, he says, you're going to be fine. You're going to run aground. The boat's going to be demolished. You're going to be just fine. No no worries. I'm not going to let a hair touch. The hair be, be done on the 274 on the boat. There won't be one of you will perish. Trust me. Verse 41 is the pivotal verse in this little story, and it says this, and they were filled with great fear, the fear of the Lord, and they said to one another, who is this guy? <laughs> Basically, that's how it translates. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? In the storm, they learned a little more about who Jesus was. Are you willing to learn who Jesus is? Are you willing to go through the storm? Or are you, either you stay on the shore and say, well, I'll just watch from afar. Or in the middle of the storm, good for them for at least waking him up. In Jonah's case, you know what they did? They threw Jonah out of the boat when a storm came up. They said, he must be the problem, and they chucked him in the water. I'm glad they didn't do that with Jesus. He would have just walked. Just said, okay, I'll see you on the other side of the shore. I'll walk away. At least they turned to him, and they said, look, do you care? And he says, this isn't about you. It's about me. It's about you understanding that I'm with you in the storm. 
that I'm the Lord of these things? As we begin this new season in this new building and sort of marking this time, I'd just like you to put a flag in the ground. Think right now. What are the, what are the ages of your children if, if you're parents? What are the big things that mark your world right now? Are you facing transitions as we've done a transition here? Are you facing transitions of any sort? Most of us do. Put a flag in the ground right now and in your mind and just think, Lord, this is sort of what I'm facing. These are the decisions. These are where the people I love are. This is, um, maybe I'm, you know, thinking I might move or maybe I'm thinking I might um, take a new job or my kids are starting elementary or middle or high school or college or I'm facing empty nesting or I'm, I'm facing health issues as I age or, or as I'm young or whatever it is. Say, Lord, this is, this is where my storm point is because it's normally in these transitions where we face our storm points. I'm going to assume you're in the boat with Jesus. If you're not, would you invite Him? Would you come with Him? He invites you. Would you take the invitation to repent of trusting in yourself and trust in the One who still storms? But if you've done that, would you at this point say, Lord, the fa- first thing, the fact that you can sleep in my storm, Lord, would you let me just rest with you? Wouldn't it have been cool if the disciples, as the storm is coming, the water's coming over the bow, the workers were saying, let's get the, let's get the bailing, let's get the, uh, the buckets, let's do that. What if they'd all said, hey, if he can sleep in the storm and he's our model, you know, let's just stretch out. Maybe a little wet down on the floor, but we'll, we'll make it. Let's all sleep and see what happens. Let's wake up on the other side of the shore and just know that the Savior got us safely there, even if we don't know exactly how. But they had to be in control. So they woke Him up. That's okay. And if you're fearful, would you, would you turn to the Lord, but rather than saying, don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you, aren't you upset like we are? Would you say, Lord, I'm scared. I'm scared of the storm right now. I, I, I'm not sure. The lightning made me jump. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what I'm facing. Lord, I could really use you right now to be the God of all comfort. I know you could sleep through it, but I'm not quite there yet. Would you be with me in this? And Lord, if it's your will to still the storm, that'd be really cool. But if it's not, would you just kind of hold me and help me through this storm? I trust you. Many of the disciples got to this point and no condemnation for them not. That takes a lot. But the Lord wants to be with us. He wants to be the Lord of the storm. And at the end of the day, if we could say, you know what, God, I didn't know you were the God who could handle storms, but now I do. I know you're that kind of God. That can speak to wind and waves and sea and say, be still. Who is this guy? He's Jesus. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, as we celebrate who You are, Lord, help us to come to know You 
in a way we haven't before. And if it means getting into the boat with you and it feels safer to stay on the shore, Lord, we know that we, we want to be with you no matter what. Lord, if you could teach us to sleep with you and to rest with you and not fret, Lord, thank you. Father, thank you for being a gentle God who does understand and wants us to grow in our faith so that if we wake you, confess our fear or our confusion, Lord, that you won't condemn us, but you will speak to us and help us to grow. Lord, and more than anything, help us to recognize more and more of who you are in a world that says this life is all there is, that there's something that transcends it, and that you've given us and brought to us the ability, Lord, to receive the gift you've given, which is to know you. Lord, we can't get to you. You've come to us. And so, Lord, we receive that gift, Lord, by turning from trusting ourselves and in our ability to control the situations, declaring that we can't, but that you can. Lord, you are faithful in every way, and we would declare that this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.